Welcome to another episode of the Crypto Conversion Podcast. As usual, it's Brandon, Connor, and Matt. We are bringing you the conversation about crypto, Web3, blockchain, and just trying to shed Christian light on it and look at it through a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview, and things like that. Um, just never going to not say that because I want people to have that disclaimer when they come on board. Um, if you're just uh, hopping on this episode, please like, comment, review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, download wherever podcasts are found. And with that, let's get into this episode. Um, let's start with the news. Uh, we've had it's been a slowish week, but there's still been some interesting things. I, I guess it's never really slow in this space. Um, Matt, I'll let you kind of kick it off because you were you were coming in with the most stories uh, going into this episode. So I'll let you fire away. So I, I started, we hopped on right before this, right before we started recording. And I was like, man, I don't think anything happened in the last week. So um, sure, I'll start though. Um, so uh, we, maybe it just feels like the week's been forever. Um, but holiday, holiday week, weekend. Since the and we got a holiday weekend coming up, yeah. So, uh, since the last time we recorded, um, the Bitcoin conference happened in Miami. Um, so we were recording kind of while that started. So, um, I think, um, some of the interesting, some of the things I'm looking forward to, uh, in the next year are, um, the political discussions, love politics, hate politicians, but love politics. Um, and so we've got, uh, uh Robert Kennedy, uh, gave a talk at the Bitcoin conference. Um, he, he seemed very much pro Bitcoin. Um, and then actually just yesterday, I don't know if you guys saw, um, what's it, Ron DeSantis, um, was on a Twitter space with, uh, Elon and, um, and yeah, they, he, he announced his, uh, candidacy for president that he was running, however, you, whatever word you use. Um, and, and he had some pro Bitcoin comments as well. So it's interesting that we've got now, um, you know, pro Bitcoin comments on both sides. So yeah, definitely interesting to see how Bitcoin and crypto, um, and blockchain shape some of the political discourse. Um, so yeah, that, that's something I'm looking forward to. And, and it really is shape seems to be shaping the political discourse, at least for the presidency right now, both mm -hmm. between Robert Kennedy and I don't know who the other guy was that announced at the, um, oh. the Bitcoin conference. There's actually two presidential candidates, right? That Oh, was well, the second one not presidential? Is he congressional? Do you guys know who I'm talking about? Are you talking about Vivek Ramaswamy? Yes. Well, he's, he's presidential. He's, he's presidential. Yeah. He, okay. He, he announces. He was at the, he did announce at the conference. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't see that. I saw that he's he been announced for a couple of months now though. Well, then he spoke at the conference. He didn't. Yeah. I'm sorry. He didn't announce at the conference. Yeah. He didn't announce position, but he spoke. He yeah. recently shared his position on Bitcoin, I think. At the conference. At the conference. Okay. I didn't know he but, was there too. Yeah. Both him and Robert Kennedy were at the conference. Um, but, uh, and then now with DeSantis, uh, mm -hmm. also speaking about yeah. Bitcoin issues. So we have, you know, three uh, presidential candidates that are bringing that to the forefront. Interesting. So it's exciting. Even if like none of them win, you know, it, they definitely can shape the conversation, yeah. right? You've seen this with other candidates in the past. So, yeah. Yeah, no, Vivek's been, Vivek's been everywhere. And now uh, DeSantis, him, so. <laughs> DeSantis is going everywhere now um, on yeah. that side. RFK, he's been, he's been making himself mm -hmm. known too. I think that, 
it'd be i mean not that this is a political show but i'm interested to see what the discourse would be like if it we did get a desantis rfk jr race because it'll be a litany of issues that it would not like it would be a completely different set of issues that would get um put to the forefront um from a cultural standpoint versus if we just had trump and biden 2.0 so um i i personally i i would enjoy it um that's that that's at least where i sit with this um but i'm again this is a crypto podcast not a political podcast but i just think the conversation from a cultural standpoint would be interesting and i think it would be way more pro crypto coming from those two guys than trump or biden who uh just don't understand it really so Hey, uh, I, nor, I do think nor do Trump they try to understand. Understands it a bit. I, I don't know if you knew he launched two NFT collections. <laughs> <laughs> Sold no. out very quickly. No, that's that, they're, they're both their both their careers right now are being run by twenty and thirty year olds who are are making way too much money doing stupid stuff. Like, let's be frank here, honestly. <laughs> White House is being ran by twenty and thirty year old Marxists. Yeah. I'm just gonna say it right here, right now. Based. It's true. Yeah. It's yeah. true. Yeah. All right. I, any other news? Any other crypto news? The Celsius stuff's hilarious. Yeah, Celsius is, is getting bought out by uh, Fahrenheit. So who's who's sorry, who's Fahrenheit? Sorry, who's Fahrenheit? Rest of the world. Um, but uh, Fahrenheit reigns superior. <laughs> <laughs> Who who is Fahrenheit? What do they do? I I don't understand where where this company came from out of the woodworks. I've never heard of them either until I saw that tweet about how funny it was that that was happening. But uh... yeah, I just find after sitting through this Voyager fiasco, I I don't think this is going to happen. Actually, I, I found that a lot of this, if like if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. I don't think this is going to happen. And I think that this is going to end the same way Voyager did. Um, basically just paying their investors 30% of what they they had in. Um, June 1st, I think, is when we can start anticipating uh, access to some funds from Voyager sitting in that camp right now that I that I currently reside. And I, I don't know. This, this week, I've gotten really... Uh, I just got really turned off by crypto this week. I just kind of, I'm like, I'm just, I'm holding on to just Bitcoin and Ethereum right now. I'm just kind of the, the alts and it's not because of our meme coin fiasco that we did. I'm still just like, I left those funds in them because it's not like it's, it's a lot, but I'm just kind of like, I'm not done with crypto, but I'm definitely having a crypto hangover right now just because of the way things are going bear market vibes yeah it's, <laughs> it's gonna say big it, time big market. time yeah. big everybody time leaves. feeling everybody it everybody leaves in the bear market this is the no time to no i've, I've been build. i've been hanging tough for a bill for a while now since last <laughs> like i've been hanging tough in this time and i'm trying to hold on strong but it's just you know sometimes it's just like oh like it's an exciting such a drag it's the volatility it is. It is. The the industri- not blow. just the market, but the industry volatility. <laughs> well, it's just finance as a whole. It's it is, it's just yeah. tough. Um, yeah. Speaking of volatility, uh, I would say the major news that I was running across uh, this week was the tornado cash hack, mm-hmm. which was totally wild, like came out of nowhere. Um, but basically, a hacker, um, he initiated a proposal that passed um, the tornado cash DAO, 
But because of some way that uh, the proposal was launched, and I, I'm not entirely familiar, but I guess familiar with it, but I guess the create to protocol basically allows you to delete a proposal or a smoke contract because proposals for tornado cash are submitted at smoke contracts and then resubmit like something else at the same address. So basically what happened is everybody voted for one proposal and then that proposal got deleted and a new proposal got put in its place after it had already passed. And the hacker basically took control of the whole DAO, drained uh, the torn contracts of all of the people who were staking in the DAO because you have to stake to vote and you also stake to receive basically money from Relayo Awards. So he drained it and then he also minted himself, I guess, a bunch of tokens as well from the torn contract that basically Fantastic. outnumbered everybody else in the DAO. So he became the largest, you know, uh, vote uh, vote holder. And basically totally wiped out the DAO. It doesn't exist anymore as far as I understand at this point. Um, so very interesting how that happens. Yeah, I, I think, and I know we've touched on this before, kind of the difference between having, um, there's a difference between having a, a governance model, you know, to make changes when you need to, and then building something that doesn't need to be changed. And, right. you know, if, if you leave this room for change, you, you know. Totally. Yeah. And that is something that I feel like it's particularly interesting about Tornado Cash is it's been so robust against attacks like sanctions just because of the way it was built. Um, so I and I've been going back and forth with some people on Twitter. It was helpful. Me and Matt worked on a uh, a a diagram basically that outlined how the um, the UI and uh, the Tornado Cash smart contracts play kind of back and forth. And so we we're able to kind of add something to the conversation that I don't think people were totally aware of. Um, just some concerns about how the UI um, relies on certain contracts that the DAO does control. So now in this case, the hacker uh, controls these contracts. Um, but of course, one thing that uh, other people will point out is that you don't have to go through the UI. You don't have to go through the official, what they call the front end. It's what they call a proxy, basically. It stands on top of the Tornado Cash contracts and makes the process easier. But if you choose, if you have a UI that's built, you can interact directly with the Tornado Cash smart contracts, which are locked, which are immutable, which can't be affected by any DAO vote. But you have to have a UI that can do that. And that doesn't necessarily, as far as I understand, it doesn't exist in the current form because everybody's been relying on the DAO front end that's maintained and, you know, works nice and easy and is clean. Um, so that's just another concern yeah. that you have to consider about how these DAOs are set up. Yeah, definitely. Um, just to clarify here, the, um, uh, the a lot of contracts um, are able to be changed by this hacker who controls the DAO now, um, you know, but a lot of them are um, kind of secondary, like a router, a relayer, a registry, things like that. But then uh, kind of we're saying the, the core contracts, which is like, um, you know, if you were moving funds through the like one ETH pool, um, that cannot be changed, that contract that represents that. So that could still be used as normal. Um, yeah. The, basically the core functions of what Tornado Cash does yeah. cannot be affected by the DAO. Yeah. However, these other side functions that make the process a lot easier and a lot simpler yeah. can be controlled. So you have to know what you're doing and most users, of course, probably won't be able to do that, but it's still possible.
So that's interesting. That's a good thing about the Dow, but also one slightly negative thing. All right. Well, let's stop things quick here. And uh, we're going to be having on a guest shortly. So um, hope you all enjoyed that news section. And we will see you with our upcoming guest, which will be Zach Grafman. Um, looking forward to it. And we will be back shortly with that. All right, everybody. Joining us on the podcast today, we have Mr. Zach Grafman. Mr. Zach Grafman has been doing a blog called Theofuturism, and it's been talking about a lot of interesting concepts and kind of got crypto-pilled the same way we did, but is now more so branching out into the ideas around it in conjunction with the future and what Christianity might look like and being Christian in the future might look like. Uh, I'm kind of summing it up here, but I'm going to let Zach just kind of give us his background, how he kind of got into this uh, this space and why are you blogging about what you're blogging about today? So yeah, without further ado, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, man, I really appreciate just already just getting to chat with you guys and, you know, this is this is so fun this is the reason why i'm doing like what i'm doing is is i get to keep having these fun conversations where people like just want to talk about this stuff and it's like the coolest so i really appreciate you guys um yeah like kind of you guys all probably have an exact same story as me right is i'm I'm just kind of i was a little bit bored um <laughs> and underemployed in the early uh 2020s and you know just feeling like i was very interested in weird you know, cutting edge technology, reading a lot of science fiction, thinking through a bunch of stuff and, and wanted to start playing with that in a, in a way that I could start kind of testing out my own ideas. And so like you do nowadays, I started an anonymous Twitter, <laughs> just started playing with like all these ideas that I was dealing with on like, what should the, how should we as Christians look at technology? Um, you know, whether that's cryptocurrencies, web three stuff, um, you, you know, AI stuff, whatever, right? Like, how should we look at futurism as Christians? Like, what does it mean to be a futurist as a Christian? Um, what should our stance on all that stuff be? And I was, I just kind of literally went, kind of went down the rabbit hole, right? Like just started getting introduced to people um, online that were really, really helpful to me. And, and uh, you know, whether that's the Soaring 20 Social Club, um folks who I just owe a lot, a big debt of gratitude for just encouraging me to write, encouraging me to just kind of do what, do stuff that I was excited about and not try and tailor what I was doing for just like a mass audience or whatever. Um, so I, I really, you know, I've made some, I've, I've made some genuine close, close friends in that group, which is kind of a crazy thing to say because it's people I may never even meet in person. But um, so, yeah, like I, I, that was a huge unlock for me is just, Hey, you can meet people online and they can encourage you to do good work. And I started writing on Substack and just kind of never looked back. It's been, it's been almost two years right on there. And I just recently took the project from anonymous to, to fully docs. So now I'm kind of just out there with my own name and everything. Um, and it's just been kind of my own, like, this is my by night kind of thing that I play around with when I have time. And, you know, by day I'm a, I'm a husband, you know, have three kiddos and, uh, serve a whole ton in our local church and um so yeah it, it's it's been a really cool project as, just as a way for me to just kind of get thoughts out there and, and kind of see if i'm you know well, this is this is what's going on this is this the stuff i'm interacting with online like what how how should i be thinking about this as a believer 
I'm a big proponent of like, as a Christian, that is our primary way that we interact with the world, right? I, I'm a big, um, one of my big, one of my least favorite sayings is when people say things like, well, you know, my, my faith is very important to me. And I know maybe I'm being nitpicky, but to me, it's like, no, like as a Christian, Christianity, I, I always say is, is the reality key. It's like the thing that unlocks reality. It helps you understand what the world really is, what is really going on. It's the base layer to everything. Christianity is the layer zero. Anything else that you have in your life, it stacks on top of that and is worthless without that, right? Because Christianity is how you interface with reality. And so, you know, since that is true, since I believe that that's true, it should change the way I deal with things like technology or the future, right? Because I don't, I don't, these things aren't like separate things that are over here that God doesn't care about or doesn't interact with. It's, it's God's world. So that means that God also desires dominion over, you know, <laughs> the Silicon wafer is just like he wants us to have dominion over everything else. So um, okay. I've just kind of been taking that, that attitude and, and just playing around and learning a whole ton and talking to people and, and seeing what's going on, you know? Yeah. Love yeah. It. I think, I think I like what you said about, um, you know, just, I mean, how important you found the revelation that like you can find people online and build communities. I think I met you in the reformers DAO. I don't know if I interacted yeah. with you on Twitter beforehand, but um, that was just a case of me uh, kind of approaching crypto from the same angle where it's like, I love, I love what web three is. I love what crypto is about, you know, but I'm a Christian and, um, and I think it's incredibly important to have Christian community, Christian fellowship, you know, in all these spaces. Uh, so when someone alerted me to the reformers DAO, that was, that was honestly a revelation to me that, wow, it's great that, you know, there's Christians in this space. Um, oh, yeah. And then since then, I've met Brandon and uh, Matt, um, both of them. We met at the uh, the Catholic Crypto Conference, which they hosted in uh, Pennsylvania back in November. And then Matt and I attended the Thank God for Bitcoin Conference, which was uh, just this past week um, down in South Florida. And uh, you're finding that I feel like at least there's more and more um, Christian communities kind of popping up in these spaces. And yes, we need that because like yeah. these, these are the burgeoning spaces of the future. And if we don't have Christians here, you know, you have to question like what's going to happen with these spaces if, you know, if we're not here and building. That's exactly, so. it's, that's so it, dude. Like that's exactly right. Right. Because, and that's, that was a big thing that was on my heart when I started writing is, you always have to be careful with this whole, like, nobody else is doing this attitude because usually like in five minutes, you'll find out that you're wrong and you're also late, you know? So it's, it's, no, I, I, I know there are other believers out there, but I just wasn't finding them. And right. so a big part of my thing was like, look, I just want to like shoot up a big old flare and find the people. Like maybe if I just yell about it loud enough, I'll, it, which has been true, that's happened. Right. But then a big part of it for me is, you know, so my, the only really training I have for any of this is I, I have a history degree. So I also look at everything through a history lens, right? And not to start stuff on the podcast, but I believe I'm the Protestant Catholic equalizer in the room, right? Where, so we could re, we could rerun the the Hundred Years War or whatever. But um, you know, well, I'm like, Protestant too. I don't know. Th that's what I'm saying. So I'm like, but I'm bringing oh, it to yeah, yeah, two. Yeah, you equal it out. Yeah, right? we're even. Okay, good, good, good. We're even. Um, <laughs> I'll only so bring it up only to have say Protestant like, guests on. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. Yeah, you can't, right, we you only can't, have Protestant guests. <laughs> you can't make it unfair. Um, yeah. So, 
you know, historically, when you look at the church, the church has always had an interesting relationship with technology because technology is a, it's, you know, inherently disruptive thing. Right. And I think you don't really need to look any farther than things like, you know, the, the reformation, which we have a divided opinions on in the room here, obviously, but whatever you believe about the reformation, like you, it, you cannot understand the reformation and everything that happened after without understanding the technology that's behind it. It's pivotal. Like, a big part of what's happening in the Reformation is the church trying to wrap its head around, well, now everybody can just print what they want and send it everywhere. Is that good? Is that bad? And I think anybody could look at that and say, well, yes and no. Like, it's it's good sometimes. It's bad sometimes. It's yeah. It's very powerful no matter what. And to me, the story of that is look at how the church in that case, in a lot of ways, got ahead of that. And began to harness that technology to to positive ends. You saw the church being some of the cutting edge, saying, "Well, here's a press. Where are we going to print with it? Bibles, my dude. Like, why not? Right? Like that. That became the immediate impulse. And of course, I I, I see y'all laughing. I understand that that's not a mixed. It's not an unmixed event, right? However, but like I think we can pretty obviously look back historically and say that there has been benefits from that, right? Like that the church learning that well sure. this technology allows us to advance the gospel at like asymmetric amounts of leverage. Mm -hmm. And to me, I, the, one of the things that was just like lighting a fire under me to write was I felt like I was watching the church all, about to miss out on a second printing press type event with decentralized tech, you know, web three stuff, all this, because I'm like, look, like we're, we're standing here and we could be, some of the pioneers it's still very early we could be some of the pioneers in this space like planting our flag and saying this is how we want to use this getting the opportunity to shape what this looks like not just to wait for 15 years and let people hand us the technology and say oh i guess i can use it like this right yeah. and i want you know i'm jealous for god's church i want us to be out front like in in the field at the very hairy edge of the map finding out what this what the possibilities are for advancing the gospel you know like i'm less about the get rich aspect of it and more about like the get the kingdom advanced kind of aspect you know yeah. and so yeah i 100 agree like seeing believers here and thinking about it from that very different like you know i i, I think i joked on twitter the other day like if you're doing it right like you should be completely incomprehensible to your enemies right and that's that to me is the promise of some of this stuff is like, look, you know, what whether we're talking about physical or spiritual enemies, the church is always going to have enemies. And, and I don't mean that in like a paranoid sense. I mean, it's just real. Like, that's just how it is. Yeah. So be incomprehensible, like find ways to do what it is that you're called to do in a way that other people can't perceive or stop. You know, and, and I, I'm I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the idea that we could do that as the church and we could, you know, the cool thing with decentralized tech is you get that permissionless word and that's incredibly powerful because if, if I don't, if, if it's permissionless, that means there's very few people that can deny permission to it or turn it off, which we know is going to cause problems, right? As before, yeah. like no, nobody's, you know, all joking aside, nobody's excited about schisms and peasants wars and all that junk. Yeah. Like that's, that's horrifying stuff. Right. But we also know that the Bible says, you know, there must be divisions among you so that the truth is going to be highlighted and so that the gospel is going to advance. Like, it's important that we move forward risks and all. Mm -hmm. And and I think, you know, we really don't get the option to look at all this stuff and just kind of bury our heads and say, ah, it's too scary. We'll take a pass on this one. Like, you know, you've got generational upside here, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. We're, we're early. And, and that was, um, you know, uh, Matt Pinto was the guy who put on the Catholic crypto conference in, in his introductory talk. You know, he said he wishes 30 years ago, someone grabbed him by the collar and said, you know, you don't realize how big the Internet's going to be, you know, and, and, yeah, and like you, know, you said, yeah. you know, we're, we're at that pivotal moment again, if you know, if all this Web3 stuff takes off. So, um, yeah. so I, I am curious. So, um, uh, in, in your, in your Substack, are you talking and, and I'm, 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 I'm just curious. I, I don't know where you're at. Are you talking more kind of general things as you are now? Uh, have you looked at specific things like, Hey, we should use this in this way. Um, I, I, I don't know, just so we can get a bit better idea of what theofuturism looks like. So I'm very, like, I'm a very general guy. <laughs> I, okay. I'm, I tend to be the abstract layer kind of dude, yeah. not a technical guy. Um, I know just enough of that stuff to get me into big trouble. So I, I'm, I'm very much of like, I, the role that I would like to play or that I see myself playing is this kind of like scout role of like, look, I'm going to run out there and just look around and try and map everything for us real quick. I'm going to come back and throw it on somebody's desk and be like, I don't know what this is, but you should probably go figure it out because it seems super important. I went over there and there was a big, something's going on over there and you need to go check it out, you know? And because I know that like, I don't have the time and I'm certainly not intelligent enough or, or like enough of a Renaissance man to like figure out how to build stuff or, you know, bend this stuff to, to our wills the way that it should be. I'm mostly just kind of the guy, like, again, running out there and saying, that's cool. Like, I'm going to bring this back. Somebody do something with this, you know? And so I tend to talk more generally, like even when, if I mention specific tech stuff, it's more just in this, like, you know, like I started doing these things and nobody reads them, but that's okay. It's fun for me. So I started doing these things where I just, I just start, I call it like linking the underground and I'm just like throwing little like nodes up on the, on the wall. And my goal is like, look, if I get enough interesting little nodes on the wall, somebody's going to start making connections between them in their mind. And they're going to say, well, this is, goes with this. This is interesting over here. And I'm only, all I can do right now is just, well, that, that one fired the little part of my brain that says, ah, it's probably important. And I'm going to throw it up there, you know? And so I'm, I'm hoping that as that kind of continues, and I would like to find, I would like to find a better way to even like visualize or, or like put these things together. Right. Um, but that's kind of a big part of my goal is like in, in general, you know, I'm very bad at calling specific, you know, it, any, you know, my, my, uh, my Ethereum wallet is public. So you can see how bad I am at calling like specific <laughs> trends or like, sure, I've sure. just kind of sworn <laughs> off all that. Right. Like I'm not good yeah, at that. Yeah. What I am good at is zooming out to the general layer and starting to make comparisons, whether it's historically mm-hmm. or in just generally today and saying, look, this is like this. So like we could use it in a similar way then, because if it's like that, then this is how we've been successful or, Hey, this, this unlocks this possibility. I don't know what to do with that, but you know, so I've started writing things like, you know, around just around the ideas of like, look, if this is the difficulties that we have with technology today, what are some ways that we'd be called to live differently, Mm -hmm. that the Lord would want us to address some of the the pitfalls, the issues, you know, what does it mean to be, what does it mean to look at the future as a Christian? What's the attitude that we should have towards that? You know, what's the, which to me is like aggressive optimism. (laughs) Um, What, what is the, you know, what, how should we deal with, um, you know, things like AI where it seems a little spooky and scary to us. And what do we think about that? I've been writing a lot lately about my strong past a hunch at this point. I'm going to go ahead and put the stake in it and call it spiritual discernment that I think we're, we're exiting the like rationalist 
materialist age and we're entering a new spiritual age. And what does that mean? Yeah. I mean, that's important, right? Like it, all, all of a sudden people are not talking anymore about Peter Hitchens and, and, and stuff like those people are gone now. And now we're talking, to, you know, we're talking about Grimes now who is like in, in public, like building in public, like a techno spiritual religion, you know, on Maine and just like talking mm -hmm. about it as like, this is what I'm about. Like chaos is my God, you know? So like, so, sorry, are we talking about the music artist crimes? We are talking about the music artists. Yeah. I, I wrote about <laughs> this in my late, in one of my latest pieces. Like this is like a thing now, you know, that people are starting to really actively talk about like, yeah, we, we're going to be back into spirituality now. Like that's what we're going to do. And, you know, hey, as Christians, we, we kind of know how to play in that world way better than we do in the materialist world. The materialist world was a bad dead end for us. And we made some mistakes, I think. But the whole you bring your God and I'll bring my God and we'll see who wins. Like, come on, like we could, we could do that. Right. So <laughs> just talking about all that and, 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 you know, wanting Christians to realize that just because the world is going to get more technological, it's not it's going to get more spiritual, too. I don't think we were going to my kids are going to live in a world with much more advanced forms of idolatry and much more clear forms of idolatry than I lived in. That's, there's a, that's a prediction there. You can, you can you tweet that and we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, so that's, it's all been that like very little, like, you know, go by Shiba Inu and a lot more like, you, you know, Hey, I don't know what the specifics are, but I can, this is the arc of the, where the generality is headed or in my yeah. best, I don't know the best I can guess, you know, who are some of your who are some of your influences for for writing? Like, what do you read? What do you read a lot of? I know like a lot of people oh, that write are big readers. So, who are some of those influences that have uh, kind of uh, you've at least kind of taken some of their writing styles and ideas and and plugged it into what you're what you're doing? That's an awesome question. Um, which of course means I've, I'm now going to forget every book I've ever read. Um, I know, right? Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. I'd put you on the spot, though. No, it's okay. Um, I'm a huge, I'm, I'm a huge C.S. Lewis fan, mm -hmm. or you know, have read extensively so much of his stuff. I, I really think, looking back, Lewis probably saved me from ever having to go down like the really difficult, like uh, early life deconstruction kind of path. I'm sure I sure. would have ended up there if it hadn't have been that people introduced me to Lewis. And I'm very thankful, you know, for that. I think um, Mayor, Christianity, Mayor Christianity has definitely been influential in my thinking when I read oh yeah, early 100%. on. And, and read, uh, if, go ahead. Abolition of Man? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Abolition okay, I haven't of Man. read it yet, but a lot of people oh, you, have been recommending you, you that to me. You must. You absolutely have yeah. to read it. It's Abolition of Man is completely, totally prescient. And then his fiction, his under, everybody, when they talk about fiction with Lewis, they only want to talk about Narnia, which is fine. Narnia is incredible. No. But the, yep. the Ransom Space trilogy is... The Ransom yeah. trilogy is unbelievable. How the first two books are very like just really excellent, like kind of Silver Age or Golden Age sci-fi or science fantasy. They're beautiful. They're really incredible. And then the last one is like the fact that we're not discussing it in the same breath as 1984 is a complete travesty. Like it, it should be discussed when you bring up 1984, um, Brave New World, you know, uh, Fahrenheit 451. Like it, it should be in that conversation as like how is he doing this? How is he getting this far ahead of the, you know, techno-fascist kind of like, we're going to control your mind world that we live in? Like, how did he do that in the, in the 50s? He's writing about this, right? Or yeah, I think in the 50s. And it's just, it's bonkers how, how, how smart he was and how ahead of things he was. 
Um, so yeah, Lewis is huge. Um, a lot of science fiction. I think that, you know, I'm a huge, huge believer in all truth is God's truth. So there's a lot of people that were thinking very broadly in the fifties and sixties about where all this was headed. And they didn't have the map of like, why, what should we do? But they could see where it was headed. So, you know, you're huge Dune fan, um, uh, Frank Herbert, uh, Robert Heinlein, um, you know, gosh, you know, uh, Bradbury, um, uh, Canical for Leibowitz, Walter Miller Jr., uh, which is it, it absolutely bizarre. <laughs> um, uh, he was a was a Catholic, actually, I believe. Um, and it's a it's a very disturbing kind of haunting post apocalyptic story about like what would it look like for the church to live through a complete you know wasteland kind of post nuclear existence, and has some of the best has some of the most incredible scenes to me of this kind of idea that I've it grabbed onto me from reading the book of like, look, like our goal sometimes is to build something that we we're never going to see as, as believers. Like we're building something in God's church that we may never get to experience. Um, it's the, what's the, um, Oh, who's the poet that I, that I love that talks about you, you know, invest in the millennium plant sequoias, uh, Wendell Berry. So yeah, Wendell Berry is a great, you know, love Wendell Berry. Um, and, so that's the whole thing of of that is like look it's just a bunch of monks being like look we don't even know we don't know what any of this is but we're going to continue preserving the knowledge of how to read and build things and, and understand god's word and maybe that won't matter until our you know grandkids or whatever but it's still what we're going to do um yeah so love love walter miller um yeah newer stuff i mean i've i've played we, we joked about i still need to read network state you know but um i love uh so, yeah right <laughs> It's, we all know about Network State, but none of us have read Network State. Um, I really like, um, oh, here's a book review for you. You all need to read, um, it's a bizarre little collection of science fiction shorts that came out in a couple installments. Most of them are pretty forgettable, but there's some that have like, that totally just cracked my brain open in college. And that's probably where this started for me, honestly, was the Metatropolis stuff. So Metatropolis was like this, there are these anthologies and it was people started in the early 2000s and they're just kind of writing around like when this kind of virtual reality stuff is like very infant. And there's a couple of those shorts, especially in the first anthology where they, they just, I can remember where I was sitting and all of a sudden I was like, oh, you can, you can be a person geographically located here, but in a very real way, you are part of a separate you know, network state, essentially, you, you are you are more connected to people geographically separated from you than you are geographically connected to you through the power of like an over an overworld, basically like a, a, a network world that you can really participate in. And that I've just kind of sat there. I was like, dang, well, what what does that look like as the church? Wait, aren't we doing that already? Like, aren't I more as a believer? Aren't I more connected to you guys in a more real way? both through technology and just through our understanding of how the world works, like we're more connected than some of than me and my neighbors, you know, and, and, and if you've ever been on a mission trip, you know that that's true, right? Because you go on a mission trip and mm -hmm. you meet some Christians in a place that you, you have no idea who they are, but within 15 minutes, you, you, you're more connected to them in a real way than you are to people that you've spent years working with or because you're immediately working on mission together to, to, instantiate the kingdom 
in this far-flung place, right? And so you really quickly realize like, oh, the church is, you know, the church is already that. We've been doing that. We've been doing the whole decentralized, permissionless, networked entity thing. And the thing that connects it connects it is the Holy Spirit, which is, you know, very different. But it's also like, we should be very good at this whole network state thing, right? Because we're kind of already there. This is just like tooling for us at this point to do the thing that we're already doing. I agree. I think um, you should explain that to uh, Balaji. He seems to disagree, but... Well, yeah, yeah that's that was fine, the... but it, you know. <laughs> the, he still the, likes the... our tweets, though, so it's okay. Well, that was, <laughs> no, he liked he liked one of our tweets, and it was me recommending to somebody else to read the network state. Like he didn't realize that. Right, I that's knew right. I yeah, he's first chapter too. It was so funny. No, no, fill me but, in. Yeah. So, no, 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 no. You educate me. So, fill me in. Like from his perspective, because again, <laughs> let's let's all talk yeah. about a book we haven't read. From his perspective, what like. <laughs> You, you kind of follow that thread the, you were on. The, yeah, the nice thing about uh, the network state is um, he he makes it very easy to understand. If you read just the first chapter, he breaks it down into the network state into like one, what is it? One sentence. One sentence. And then like one, one the paragraph. Yeah. One paragraph, one, one page. And then, yeah. so it's an interesting way, way of writing. So if you get through the first chapter, you can basically wrap your head around the concept. But yeah. It, it's when after that, though, he, he dives into, um, you know, like kind of like historically, like, like we get more what of his opinions into that, you know, like what what has led us to this moment. And so really in our episode about the network state, I feel like we mainly talked about I think it was the second chapter, um, you know, had took this historical lens and he, you know, very, very simply with very broad strokes said, you know, in the 1800s, you know, you had um, like the fear of God that, you know, caused people to behave the way they did. And then in the 1900s, you had, you know, fear of the state, you know, the threat of the state to, uh, you know, behave the way you did. And then now we have, you know, these networks emerging that force people into certain so behaviors. many questions. It was, it was just so funny. He was like, he's like, he, I actually think he makes some interesting points, of course. Yeah, uh, sure. He's obviously a very smart individual. And, he, he is. He's um, smart, but I, he, I think, yeah, I think we can take some things from him, but, uh, um, he, he has this kind of like Nietzschean concept of the world. Yes. At, at least he yeah. describes it to Nietzsche. He even quotes Nietzsche. Yeah. Yeah. But very um, heavy Nietzschean influence. For so, sure. so yeah. Uh, God was basically defeated by the state. The state has replaced itself in society, um, you know, in the place of God and the way he sees it, the network state or this new function of society is going to replace the state basically due to the forces of the internet and uh, web three and um, you know, different political failings or whatnot, which means so, that the network becomes God. So the, sense, the yes. Leviathan, he called them all Leviathans. Yeah. Uh, I love what, man, if stuff. you've read, hmm, maybe yeah. don't use that word. Um, so <laughs> the, um, yeah, you know, like what I love about that is that everybody like always loves Nietzsche because they read like the first part of the paragraph, right? God is dead. We have killed him. And everybody stops reading. And, and well, the problem and that, with but then, but then they don't even. So, okay, philosophy major here. So go um, for it. He, yeah, people, people never look at the life of Nietzsche. He lived right, a right, very right. depressing life. It's like if you yeah. if you understood, he was sick all the time. Everybody he ever loved left him. He never had a father. You would understand why he writes the things that he writes. He was intelligent beyond his years. One of the most one of the most like intelligent philologists 
ever uh, could do languages like the back of like his hand and he just died was so depressed he was so depressed and <laughs> yeah. now you understand why he writes the way he writes and how he came to the conclusions because he sat in his own thoughts for so long and kind of played the woe is me um for so much of his life and he basically that's why he became with the das uber mention and it's like this is why we have to become so strong that we essentially become our own god and our own moral paradigm is the mantra that we use to live our life and that's what makes us tick and that's how men can become god essentially so i so know i, I gave a really thirty thousand the... foot view elevator pitch there yeah. but that's honestly how he came to the conclusions he did it's hilarious when you look right, at is, his life this is the rabbit hole we're going down this is the rabbit hole yeah. we're going down. i found it so <laughs> perfect this is a huge thing right because we as Nietzsche is a very important person, I think, as someone who's read very little Nietzsche. Um, <laughs> let's just keep talking about books that we've never read. But like, what you've, you, can, you don't have to read that much Nietzsche to understand where, what he's at, right? As he says, you know, God is dead, we have killed him. And what will we do now that we have killed God? What will we do now that we've sponged away the horizon, right? It's chilling. Like, he, he's, he's, he's perfectly describing what our situation is. He, he, he's not wrong. He's very right. He's saying, without God, we are now trapped in a moral hellscape. Like, what are we yeah. going to do? He's, he's trying to shake the reader and be like, don't you get it, dude? Like, this is where we're at. And as a believer, I have no, he's actually correct, right? And part of the bizarre part of Nietzsche is the, the whole, like, existentialist thing is only wrong because the people that are writing about it don't understand how to do it correctly. So, do, well, who's the father saying, like, of existentialism, right? In in a sense, it's a it's a Christian, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and, uh, how do you yeah, Kierkegaard. Yeah, and so the whole thing with like the whole thing with Nietzsche is, it's like he's like, oh well, he just doesn't understand Christianity is all. He's just very bad at getting Christianity. He's like, oh, Christianity's weak and it makes you weak, and so we need to be the Ubermensch. When really Christianity is, God is describing for us the process of to become like God. Like that, that is, that is what, like we're, we, you know, if you, 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 you read, you know, we will become like him because we will see him as he is. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's what, you know, the new Testament tells you like, yeah, we, we messed this up. We fit, we tried to become God in our own way. Now God is going to do it the right way. You know, this is a big Lewis thing, by the way, is Lewis is like, God doesn't waste crap. He, he, he goes back and uh, sorry, the way that I stated that wasn't even very good, but you know, God goes back and he, he, <laughs> He repurposes all of the things that we mess up to create something mm -hmm. beyond what we could have even hoped for or imagined, right? You read like a uh, great divorce is big on this, right? Where he's like, yeah. yep. he, he takes even the worst parts of you and turns it into something that is going to glorify him. So I, this huge thing, I feel like you've got these two impulses now in the world really broadly because we've really gotten down to this. It's a big um, Schaefer thing. Schaefer was always talking about like, look, you, you, you when you get these people that are... In, in, have that nihilistic impulse you don't pull them back you push them forward you like ram their face into the void and let them see what it is that they're headed towards so that they come back and they say i do really don't want to go there and you say you're right like actually want to go over here and, and to me i see a big part of our world now is dividing into the, like it's in, becoming increasingly clear you can't stand in the middle you're going to have to pick either absolute I am going to become death, the destroyer of worlds. Like I'm going to build myself into my own God or 
I'm going to submit myself to God who is going to make me like him. That there's there's only two, you know, buses to get on now. And I think, you know, I did a I did a little book review on Noah Yuval Hariri's book, uh oh, what's it called? Something uh gods. Um you guys familiar with Hariri? Don't I've heard the name, but I don't yeah, uh, I don't uh, know any of his work. He what's the here? I'm I'm gonna I'm sorry, I'm I'm gonna this is like no, go ahead. this is great radio, by the way. This is exactly <laughs> how you're supposed to do this, is you're supposed to just look things up on the air. Um yeah. the oh, we, we need a time. guy to do that. We need a video. Yeah, like, good, hey, good. We need the producer, yeah, yeah. You do, you really should have one. Hold that one up for us. Uh what's yeah, the, I will, yeah. What's the guy's name. Yeah, Jamie, 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 can you <laughs> Jamie. Jamie, can you get that? Um <laughs> so the uh I'm so glad you guys get that reference. Um it Homo Deus, I'm sorry. Homo Deus. Hariri wrote a book called Homo Deus, and he he is a. I think I I'm, I think I'm fine saying Hariri is an evil man. Okay. And, and what I mean by that is that Hariri is a person who's animated by, what I would argue to be like demonic ideas. You know, Scripture is pretty clear that there's like bad ideas and then there's doctrines of demons, right? Like things that Satan would like to make true, and. Hurry's whole point in Homo Deus, it's exactly like, imagine Balaji, but he wants to talk now about like metaphysics, except he doesn't know anything about metaphysics. So he's just going to like go ham with the little knowledge he has. He basically says, look, um, evolution proved that our brain is just chemicals. Okay, I have some questions, but moving on. Um, Evolution proved that our brain is just chemicals. That means that there's no possibility for metaphysics. So the world is a materialist universe. That's proven now, right? Now moving on. Okay. Um, highly advanced technology is proving to us that human beings are going to fall drastically behind and we don't have we no longer have the moral valence to decide what's good or bad in in a highly technologically advanced world okay moving on from that so the 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 clear arc of history is moving towards a a a separation of the human species into homo sapiens and homo deus homo deus is going to be a a different species that is going to so radically change their nature technologically that they will become their own gods um and, and in order for them to do that they will need to have a new religion of how to either worship themselves or worship some networked deity or this he's right he's writing this down in ink like in the year of our lord 20 whatever like, seriously, he's saying, this is what I think, right? And he says, so that's really our whole thing now. The only problem is that we, because he's not and he's not dumb, he's pretty smart. So he says, the only problem is that the whole classical liberal project has proven that w- there's no morality and we actually don't know what morality is. So we've got a real big issue. Hopefully we can hook up a big enough LLM to just tell us what the secrets of the universe are and what and what morality is, and then we'll be okay. Now, this is, you know... I love that. I, in the, in the right, yeah, it's great stuff, right? In the review that I wrote, I, I called him a space Nazi, and, and what I mean mm-hmm. by that is like you know when you read uh, when you read Lewis right in the space trilogy, this was like Lewis's biggest fear, I think, is that human beings are so we're so evil <laughs> inherently, right, that we sh- we can't go to other planets because we'll just make them bad. You know, like maybe God is going to keep us here because this is where we belong. Like we can't go anywhere else because we're we have ideas like this. Right. And I kind of talked in that review about like, look, Christians, we really need to understand that ideas like this are not going to go away. They don't go back into the bottle. There's more and more people who are talking like this and they really believe these things. They believe that it's very important for human beings 
to ascend, to become something different than what we currently are. And, and, you know, this was, I sounded like a crazy person when I talked about this 10 years ago, because I was pointing at like bizarro transhumanist people. Like it was just Ray Kurzweil 10 years ago, but now it's like everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's very important for Christians to realize that we have the answer. We're the only people now that have the answer to this. Everyone else is just kind of shrugging and saying, I guess, but it seems weird, but they don't have any moral way to, to contravene that or say, this is why that's wrong or, or better yet, this is a more compelling way to be a human being, but we do like, we actually have, we have the framework to say, "Hmm, actually, we know what to do with technology. We know what's right and wrong. We have a pretty good moral stand. Like we know how to live as a human being. We know, you you know, we know all, we have answers for all of these questions that you look at and say, Oh, I don't know. It's just a mystery. I I hope the AI tells us, you know, what to think. Right. Um, And so that's a, that's a big, I would love to hear because I know you guys are reading the same stuff. I am and seeing some of this out there. Yeah, yeah. So like to you guys, like, does that, am, am I just like alarmist about this or do you also see this kind of stuff popping up everywhere? It, it's definitely popping up. Yeah. And I think it's something we want to talk about maybe in a future episode too. Um, mm-hmm. Just because there's a lot of claims about, you know, uh, this is the buzzword at least that I see going around, especially Christian circles is this techno humanism uh, concept. And um you know, I, I think you kind of have to tread tread the line a little bit between alumism and I like what you said, this aggressive optimism uh, kind of mindset. But um, it, it's an important it's an important question, and it's particularly an important question around these developing technologies, because you've seen this happen in the past. You you know, it's it's just it's it's human nature, but we're guided by ideologies. You know, when when these concepts kind of leak into a mind space. Like that, that guides the decisions we make and kind of how we progress right through, um, through life. Uh, so even looking at like the Protestant Reformation, um, whatever end of that you end up on, uh, I think it's pretty, it's pretty non, um, I don't think many people would argue that, uh, ideas from the enlightenment, um, definitely (laughs) seeped into the conversation there. Right. Yeah. And so it's you kind of seeing the same thing happen uh, here with uh-huh. this, these new technologies being adopted, and it's like these ideas that people are talking about um, and you know reflecting upon, and like a mirror looking into this affects how we build, what we build, and yes. ultimately what the future is going to look like. And so I think that's kind yeah. of an important thing that we're trying to bring to the table, and this is something that. Uh, Matt, like uh, before we went to the Thank God for Bitcoin conference, this is something that we talked about, but we, we really hope that the conference would not just be, here's this cool technology. Christians need to learn how they can use it and take advantage of it, but also, okay, what can Christians bring to the conversation? Because if we're not here in, in this space, having, you know, intentionally Christian conversations or bringing a, a Christian worldview to this space, like, then what is the worldview that is affecting, you know, the minds of the people who are building these yes. spaces. So it's a really important conversation. But at the same time, I think sometimes we as Christians have the tendency to want to raise the alumnus bells and put too many warning signs up um, that causes us to not actually build. And if we're not the builders, oh, and we're just yeah. the ones that are on the outskirts, you know, with our doomsday signs. Oh, just to be clear, like, to me, this is, and this is the James 
this is part of James Poulos's thing is I think he he like I have not read enough of his stuff, but the, the stuff I've gotten from him is like he can come across as this very like even you know the slow the human forever like makes you think that he like is writing in a basement on a typewriter right but like that's not to my understanding of him he's more like no 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 you don't understand like we have to wield the hammer to keep other people from doing it like we we have to be the ones in control of our computers so that someone else doesn't be the one who designs you know if someone else animated by a different ideology that i repudiate builds the tools that i depend on for my livelihood that does impact me Right. And that's not just an alarmist thing. That's like, like you're saying, like, Hey, at some point, if the whole, if the whole apparatus of what we do with the printing press gets co-opted by the enlightenment, turns out we build enlightenment stuff. So to me, yeah, it's, it's less of a like, Hey, this is all scary. We should not be here. And more of a dude, like we got to get over here while the getting's good. This is the place to be, to start building, like you said, a future that is driven by the kingdom of God. A future that looks at the world and says, like, this is these are what we use these things for. Like, let me show you what what this could be like, what this should be like, you know. Um, and I don't think that that needs to be an alarm. I hope that it isn't an alarmist thing to say that if yeah. we don't do that, other people. Will. Yeah, I, I and I, I think um, I don't know. I feel like when I go out, I see the alarmism coming from other people. Right. Like like you know, this doomerism of like, oh, oh artificial yeah. intelligence is going to destroy us, right? Like, I I mean, I like your, um, would you say, aggressive optimism. Like, I, I like an optimistic approach because I, I am an optimist, right? But, I, you know. <laughs> too I, much of an optimism. Now. Too much sometimes, yeah. But the, um, aggressively, right? But, the, <laughs> you know, I, I think, um, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I personally, I, I don't think and AI is going to destroy us. I think, you know, we'll get destroyed by an AI if, you know, if somebody trusts the AI too much and we have to say, Hey, no, 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 don't trust it. Like this is not, you know, we, we have, um, I don't know. We have this, this lens outside of the system. Um, gosh, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling. I'm trying to connect a bunch of ideas here, but, um, I think it's, um, uh, I don't know. One one of the things I've been thinking about is uh, I, I want to make a meme, but I don't know exactly how I want the meme to go. But something, you know, about like the way people, if we don't have this kind of absolute moral perspective, this eternal perspective, um, you know, philosophy is shaped by the age, right? And so you have, you know, when uh, uh, Isaac Newton, you have a very mechanistic view of the world, you know, everyone's like, oh, yep, everything's deterministic. Everything is, you know, whatever. And I, the meme would be like, this guy is like, sees the like gears in the machine and imagines that there's gears in his head, you know, and then we have computers and we see, you know, right. Oh, this is doing what we're doing. So there must be, you know, uh, like it must be a, a chip in my head. It must, my brain's just doing computations, you know, like a computer. Right. And this is where we're at with the AI, right. Quantum mechanics, people are like, Oh, it, you know, now nothing's real because how, you know, right. how can it be this and that? Right. It, I, so my background's in, in physics and chemistry. So I, I really like the science perspective, but uh, you know, unless we have this absolute perspective, we, we can shape the, you know, the way we view things, right? We have, we have an outside, we have this eternal um, perspective. And, um, but back to the optimistic thing, I think um, that's what's, what's good is, um, and I, I think we talked about this in, when we talked about the network state is, um, you know, there are people who are like tying, you know, liberal democracy to um, Christianity, right? Because it's, uh, they say, oh, you know, this is, 
Christianity kind of led to this, or, you know, it, maybe it feels so embedded <laughs> in it. Like, how could it exist without, you know? And it's like, no, throughout history, like, you know, after, uh, I mean, you know, very early, how can Christianity exist in the Roman Empire? And then it was like, once the Roman Empire was Christian, I bet everyone was oh, no. like, how <laughs> can it exist without? And then it's like, right. how can it exist without feudalism? How can it exist without? And so, like, I, I know the church will persist, right? If we're in the metaverse, we'll persist. If we're on the moon, we'll persist. If we're, you know, like it's not going to go away. So like I, um, what, you know, I, the, the, uh, and this is what's interesting. I've always thought this is interesting too. There's a lot of, um, you follow those, uh, you know, philosophical people or whatever. And they say, or the cultural, I, I'm trying to get some of those accounts, but you know, they say, oh, there's, you know, this guy and he wanted a statement that was always true. And he said, oh, this too shall pass. Right. And, um, and then Jesus though, he says, you know, he says that, but he says heaven and earth will pass, but my words won't pass. Right. I, I, I miss because we're, mm -hmm. I'm Catholic. So. I didn't read the Bible that closely, right? But, uh, you know. Oh Matt, God. don't do us like that. I didn't have to say it. I mean, you know, he just Matt, said it, right? So, on. In, but, like, in, you know, a hundred years, I know we're going to be dealing with a completely different problem. We'll, we'll have right. forgotten AI. We'll have forgotten, yes. you know, or it'll be in a different iteration and the church will still be there. Right. And, and we'll just, someone will, will be running this podcast. My grandkids will be on a podcast talking about how can the church, you know, exist with, you know, exactly. The church will, be, the church will still the be church. there, but I just hope that they don't have to clean up the mess that we made. Yeah, sure. For sure. Well, Definitely. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like a lot of messages from the eighties right now that yeah, I, exactly. I don't know if we'll ever, but at the same time though, I, I do wonder in the future, because a lot of the, in, I think that a lot of the influences on the culture stem from three ideologues, which be Nietzsche, Marx and Freud. I think those three scholars are what has kind of permeated into what we see general consensus being derived from today from you know our, our average uh counterparts uh, whether whether the person knows it or not they have been influenced by one of those three from an idea standpoint in some way shape or form uh, you know albeit um university public education somebody else etc so i do wonder sometimes will those ideas be attributed to those individuals um moving you know a hundred years from now or will it be a completely different subset of cultural scholars that get recognized for their ideas and, and things of that nature and it's just something that i think like like connor you and i are probably the two of the the bigger skeptics here um and that like we see the cultural rope dropping and and, it, and it's dropping quick and it's like how, what what how do we hold on to some of those vestiges that can at least you know push us through to future endeavors without um without kind of losing you know what what we're truly made for and understanding that we're not entirely made for this world especially as we see people trying to create this like option of uh well how can i make myself impressionable and permanent so to speak um with with these chips, this transhumanism, this transhumanism movement, it's, it's stuff that I kind of think about from time to time. And it's like, whoa, it's, it's a lot to chew on there. And I know I just kind of threw it out there, but as, as somebody who's kind of skeptical, it's like, Ooh, like we, we are, we are, we are 
going closer over edges that we have never gone before as a as a society while at the same time being more connected as a as a world than we've ever been connected before so it's 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 really veering towards tower of babel-esque stuff and it's like whoa like this the i don't know what this means but but if the but if this means revelation um i guess i guess i'm here for it and if it's the second coming any time now it's like i guess just be prepared but at the same time like you've been saying we can't live like that like we're freaking out um we we still have to we still have to do something with our lives in in the place of history that we are because we were all put here at this time for a reason um uh, whether whether we know what that calling is or not, uh, and that and that's just stuff that you kind of have to get some solace in and and have some hope every once in a while to uh, just understand that you know there's a place in this time in history that we were made to be here where we are right now talking about these things. So that's just kind of where I kind of sit with a lot of this in in my background and uh, are you guys ready stuff for that I kind of the heck out of you. Yeah hit me okay so one of my first things i ever wrote and i think it's you know sometimes the first you do a long enough project and you kind of go back and realize that you've maybe said the important stuff at the beginning and <laughs> you're just kind yeah. of refining it and trying to like re you know hone it right one of the first things i ever wrote was about the power of decentralization and i kind of kicked over this idea like i just stumbled to myself on this idea that like one of the beauties of God's church is that we began as a decentralized entity and we continue as a decentralized entity. This is even true of the Catholics. I'll prove my point. Um, no, so you're uh, right. So, so from the beginning, and this is one of the, one of the dumbest things that you hear from atheists, right? Oh, well, you know, it's just, they all went into a room and decided what was going to happen and what everybody believed. And we're like, gosh, if only it was that easy, like, <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? Right. Could you imagine? But thankfully praise the Lord. That's never been true of the church. There's never been one single human being who's lived on the planet. Who's had control of God's church ever. The church has always been a permissionless entity that has, has checked our, our source code back into the centrality of Christ. And, and, and if we ever waver at some point, we fail that test and that, that offshoot, that spur, that cult or, or heresy or whatever, just immediately falls away. You know, it, within 10, 20 years, you had people saying, I don't know, man, these Gnostics, it's just all going to go down the, down the tubes. It didn't though, because the Holy spirit immediately proves out. This is what is according to right doctrine and what doesn't falls away. I mean, you, you could, we could sit here all night naming, you know, historical heresies and movements that look like they were going to eclipse the church. You've got moments yeah. where Athanasius is literally like, I don't know, dude, I'm pretty sure that Jesus is God, though. Like, I know that you all don't think that, but Jesus is God, right? And the Lord still carries his, he carries his church forward, right? That's always been the way it's happened. And the decentralization makes us completely indestructible. Every individual Christian is running a Christianity full node. Like there's no way, right? For for you, you can't stop us. You can do whatever yeah. you want. How many of us are you going to kill? You know, like we, we each of us individually have the fullness of God's presence and his Holy Spirit within us. So you, what are you going to do, dude? Right? We multiply faster than you can take us out. That's pretty historically proven, right? So we already know that we, we already know that like we've, I've read the back of the book. We win, right? We, we know that we win. 
The question to me now is, given that, like my pastor always likes to say, we have been specifically chosen for this epoch in history. God mm-hmm. picked through all of the people in his church that he could place here and he placed us, which is intimidating, but it's also like, that's a stinking opportunity. God, God has chosen us for this, for this set of problems, this generation. So what is it that we're supposed to be building? Mm-hmm. Like at this time, what, what layer in the wall, what extension on the, on the kingdom are we supposed to be building right now that is going to then my kids can come inherit it and say, this is what I needed to stand on this mark and move over there. Right. Mm-hmm. And to me, as far as I can tell, we're in a radically transitional period in history. No, no complaints. Right. Seems, yeah. seems good. Right. Nope. We're yep. in a big, yeah, a sure. big <laughs> friction point between A and B. We don't know what B is going to be yet, but it's not going to be A anymore. No more centralized right. institutions. No more, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're not going to look to mainline authority figures. All that is gone. If you're hoping to resurrect that, good luck. It's never yeah. coming back. The world, the world that you grew up in is never coming back. The world that you, the world of 2019 is never coming back. No, it's, it's gone. So, so the only thing that you do now, right, is you look forward and say, so what world are we going to build? Mm-hmm. Given that yeah. we have access, we have all things, you know, every treasure in life and godliness, we have access to God's word. We have all the things that our forefathers had, right? All the men that we look up to that we say, well, they built this, they built that. You have everything they have. In fact, you've got kind of like all these extra advantages, right? You've now got these asymmetric technological advantages that they would have just kind of salivated over. So now it's an imagination problem, right? You don't have a power. You don't have a power issue because you've got asymmetric ability to accomplish the things that God puts in your heart. Now it's an imagination issue. We're not thinking, in my opinion, we in the church are not thinking big enough. Yeah, we, no. we we just yeah. simply aren't we're, we're not we're not we are not conceiving the scale at which god wants to yeah. use us to radically reshape what the globe is going to look like in in 15 years if the lord tarries because if we were i think we'd be excited right now this is this right here is the you're at the um you're at the pioneer stage kind of moment, right? You know, in in the American in American history, we've got the, you know, a perhaps not completely, you know, <laughs> unambiguous period in our history where basically most of the the territory was just completely unknown. And so that meant that the people that were going to succeed the most over the next 50 years were the people that took the maximal amount of risks. It was inc- it was insanely dangerous to get out on the frontier, but if you got out on the frontier, you could be in a place where no one else could tell you what to do, and you could build whatever you wanted. So that by the time everybody else got to where you were, you were already king, right? So that is where we're at right now. Is we're looking out over the edge of the frontier, and at this point, it's just about risk management. It's just about like how much how much risk can you and your community take? How much risk can you survivably, you know, endure? What kind of things that you can build that that you're only going to be responsible for because nobody's coming for you on the frontier, right? Like nobody's going to bail you out. There's no, there's no police. There's no fire department. There's no sheriff. You're out there with the, the reducible community that you have, that you can have access to. Don't rely on anybody else. That's kind of why I push back against some of the Christian far right kind of nation building project right now. I understand it. I get it, 
right? Like I grew up with that. I grew up, you know, under the tutelage of like, you know, um, what you would call, I guess, like a dominion theology type way of looking at the world, which is sounds very much like what I'm saying, right? It sounds like, yeah, go colonize the U.S. Senate and make everybody, you know, reinstate the blue laws and, 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 and do all that, right? But here's, here's the problem though, right? That's not big enough. That's not big enough. That's, that is, that's like watching the Roman empire crumble and saying, but what if we were the emperor though, bro, you want, you want to be the emperor of that in, in 20 years, there's going to be barbarians squatting in the ruins of what that is. You've got to skate to where the puck is going to be right. The the empire Mm -hmm. is gone, dude. It's not coming back. All the institutions that we think that we had, that our dads and our grandpas thought that they had, like those are, we can't, we can't rebuild western civilization whatever that was first of all that's not a as a historian like that's not a i'm not even a historian i'm a guy with a bachelor's in history let's be real honest as a person who's read a few books that's not a thing like western western civilization is not a thing get over it and that's also not the that is not our project like i'm sorry like that is not our project our project is bigger than western civilization our project is the imperceptible kingdom of God moving at a speed and at a, on a level that the world cannot perceive or stop or really interface with at all. Like we are, we are playing different games than the world is playing. And to me, every moment that we spend distracted by how can we win checkers? We're really missing opportunities because we're, you know, the game that we're playing allows us to completely, you know, all of the obstacles that we're worried about in the long game, they're not obstacles. It concerns me sometimes when I see people think, you know, even the things that you get, oh, well, crypto is so that, you know, we can, Christians can transact when the government comes for us. Okay, I guess so. I mean, yeah, yeah, maybe. But that to me feels like having a space shuttle and thinking like, how can I go get groceries with this? Like the government, like the government, I'm not worried about the U.S. government. I'm worried about I'm worried about what my you know grandchildren will be building when the you know hopefully it's farther out than my grandchildren. But what my what my descendants will be building when the U.S. government is ashes. If the if the Lord Terry is like that's the church is still going to be here when there is no United States. Mm-hmm. So that that's the, the, the we got to think on that time scale, man. And when you think about it like that, when your time horizon is that far out your like a level of addressable opportunities goes to the roof. It's like, oh, I, I actually, now that I have tools to build a community that's so hardened against all of these things, right? A community that isn't concerned with the things that concern Twitter. A community that's not bugged by the things that are bugging all my Facebook friends. A community that's thinking about this, right? And, and now we, for the first time, we have decentralized tools, I think, that actually allow us to do that. We have tools to build communities as Christians that allow us to not even, it's not even exit. It's just be at another layer. Exit is like we go live in Montana and we have a compound and we'll shoot you. It's not a very Christian project, <laughs> you know, but I'm talking about like layer two. Like I'm here right next to all my friends and neighbors, but I am building a thing that you don't even understand. That's what I'm starting to pray about is like, how, how do we do that? How do we convince the people in our lives and in our churches that that was kind of the project all along, right? It wasn't, let's save the Roman empire. It was like, dude, we have, we have people in Caesar's household. 
you know, when Paul says like, bro, like I got, you know, I, there's, I, I, you know, God's getting people in Caesar's household. What do I care about what the Roman Empire is doing, right? You know, that's so True. sorry. I know I went on a super like yeah, tangent, but no, that and- to me is the opportunity that we're facing with some of this. And that's what gets me excited about the technologies. It's just tools to build that. No, that's that's awesome, and that's a great that's a great way to kind of um, end our end our time here, Zach. So, uh, just where can people go to get more of the ideas that you're throwing out there, and uh, where can people follow you? Oh yeah, um, so I'm I'm at uh, theofuturism.substack.com. I'm sure the guys will be kind enough to throw links up, and uh, and then my um, Twitter has changed. <laughs> so many times so i'm gonna make sure i get it to you uh, correctly but twitter is at theofuturist ending with a t um you can just search zach grafman on twitter now and, and you'll you'll find me so um yeah and i'm you know the big thing i'm excited about i'm, I'm hoping lord willing to start a podcast really quickly that i, I think i'm going to call infinite dominion and what i want to do is i want to start bringing people like you guys like you know at our at our stage in things where we're starting to think about these kinds of things because I, what I want, mostly want to do is get, you know, especially young guys kind of jazzed up about like, these are the kinds of stakes we're playing for, right? I want to start talking to yeah. guys like, you know, Augustus Dorico, who's just got, you know, got saved in COVID from like a radical testimony of just drugs and stuff. And, you know, was telling, you know, I was on, on a call with him the other day and he's like, I feel like the Lord put it on my heart that I just want to make it rain in Nevada. And I'm like, well, how are you going to do that? And he's like, well, we're going to cloud seed Nevada and, and stop worrying about like how to divvy up the water. And we're just going to make it rain in Nevada. I'm like that's the <laughs> sickest thing I've ever heard. Right? That's amazing. Right. You've got a guy who's exactly like you're talking about. He's thinking about the technology from the perspective of, yeah, but what would God want to make better? What would, what would if, if, you know, as a child of God, I'm looking at the world and saying, ah, eh, there's not enough rain there. Like, come on. The Lord has given me the ability to address that. Right. Um, I want to talk to, you know, James Polo. So I want to talk to all these different people who are thinking about the the AI stuff and how we can navigate that, but not just from a, like a, let's be scared thing, but like, what are we harnessing? What are we building? How are we thinking about this stuff? And and I, I think there's enough young guys that are kind of at our level in life that are, we, we realize that we're moving into something new and we just want to get to work, you know? And that, that's what I'm hoping to start doing is having yep. those conversations to show people like that's possible. It's possible now for you to just get to work. Like here's some people go talk to them. Like, you know, throw your shoulder into it and let's see what we could build, you know? No, there, there, it, it's out there. Um, you just have to get after it and, uh, yeah, follow Zach's stuff. Zach, thank you so much for hopping on the pod. Uh, we'll definitely invite you back when we're ready to talk some more big ideas. Um, this was awesome. And, uh, we, we hope everybody that listens follows you and just appreciate everybody for stopping by and listening to us and, or watching us on the YouTube. Um, hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you on the next one. Peace.